Welcome back to the Slayless Show. This is Celeste here, and I have two wonderful guests here with me. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. My name is Amari Jackson. I am a plus-size fashion blogger based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, I, I have a website that's called thecurvyclassic.com, and all of my social media, so my Instagram. I just started a YouTube channel. It's all at the, the Curvy Classic. Awesome, and I am Demetrius Jones, and I'm from Abilene, but where I'm based out of is just depends on my mood at the moment. <laughs> so, so what I do, I do, uh, I do a lot of things, um, but we'll start with what I'm doing now. Uh, right now, I'm an author. I just got through writing my book about my dating life, um, my horrible gay dating life. <laughs> and it's on Amazon right now, and you can also get a bit of taste, more of a taste of what I do on DemetriusJones.com. So that's what I do. Yeah, I have to check that out. Yeah, it's awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. I've known uh, Amari, I've known you since I was like 18, because I met you like freshman year of college. That's what I was telling him. He was like, how long have you known Celeste? I was like, I met her in college. Yeah, it was like, like years ago. I think it was like orientation. <laughs> it was like before we even started, and then I've known you, Demetrius, since... Mm, like clack, the clack, 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 Cooper, Cooper, Cooper days. Gosh, those days. So it's, it's been a, a very long time. So um, the official title of today's episode is the politicization of dating, romance, and relationships. So the the reason I decided to do this specific topic this month is obvious because Valentine's Day is in February. So you have all these questions and all these expectations and this general atmosphere of like what dating is supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be and um, I would say that as millennials, we're kind of in a good position to where we don't really uphold a lot of the same gendered ideals that people before us, generations before us, really held on to and really cemented into themselves as far as like what they want out of relationships, what they expected from their partner, so on and so forth. Uh, so it's just one of those things where dating is, we can't really deny that it's deeply political. The personal is mm -hmm. political. So there are gendered stereotypes and norms that exist in virtually every institution and society and dating is definitely not exempt from those and um here what we're trying to do today is just kind of like go into detail and kind of like deconstruct some of those different things and like talk about some of the stereotypes that exist talk about some of the different expectations that exist so our first question is how do you personally identify and how has it shaped the way you experience and approach romantic relationships that's like <laughs> it could be very complex or it could be very simple. So whoever right. wants to start off with that one. I'll go I'll ahead go and first. start. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so how I identify, um, the best way to describe that is my orientation is extremely homosexual. Mm -hmm. um, so extreme. <laughs> um, I would say it, it, it's so grandiose you can see from space. And that's the way that I intend it. And present it right. and, and you know that and as far as my experience um of course I mentioned I wrote a book about my dating experiences from middle school all the way till now and one of the unifying themes of those experiences that turned out to not go as planned and how I intended was that you know there's a sense of us having to kind of develop this persona mm -hmm. um amongst our community and how society and culture can be very meddling um, more to towards the LGBT community. But I feel that that also is part of everyone right now. Right. Um, everyone is expected to play a role in some kind of way. Um, 
And so how that is figured into my approach to dating is just that it's knowing where can I find that place where I can feel comfortable with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, not just, you know, is this person a psycho or, <laughs> you know, those things, but the people that are around us. Is, is it going to be a safe situation? Are we going to have to worry about our safety? Are we going to have to worry mm-hmm. about, um, you know, just those types of extra things that most people don't really have to think that much about. Um, so that's pretty much my approach right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Okay, thank you. Um, I identify as, of course, um, a cis female who's heterosexual. Yeah. Um, and the way that I approach situations, um, it's a bit similar. I, I think of that as well as far as like my safety because I just see so much... Um, that happens to black women in particular. So yes. for me, every time I approach, um, you know, a guy, I'm just, or he approaches me, that's the first thing that's in my head. Like, oh my God, he's probably crazy or something mm-hmm. like yes, that. You definitely have to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, you have to, yes. I have to ask myself those questions. Like, okay, let me think about how, what I'm going to do after the initial meeting. Okay, so when are, like, when we go out, is it going to be, in a public setting, or it, will it be a little bit more private? You know, mm-hmm. you have to think about those things as far as, like like you said, your safety, and that's the first thing that comes to my head mm-hmm. um, when I'm approach or when I approach somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I also identify as a cisgender black woman. Um, I kind of, like, look at dating and just my life in general, like, on a more radical scale just because I feel like to be black and to be woman or to mm-hmm. be queer is, they're mm-hmm. all very, very uh, radical, Especially in today's age and time where, you know, you have all these reports of, and I'm glad you touched on that, women, you know, having women and men and people who exist within the queer umbrella having to question their safety. And like, is my partner someone who's going to be respectful of my body, of my space? Um, And so that's often something I ask myself as well, too. And I really didn't feel like I had to ask myself that until I got older. I started noticing, I was like, you know, like, oh, I told that boy I didn't want to dance with him. He fucking shoved me. Or, you know, I told this told yeah. this guy I didn't want to you. talk to him or he called me a black yeah. bitch. Yeah. And so, you know, like, all yeah. these different things that... Um, I've literally been chased out of a building. Like, me and my best friend went to hang out with some guys. And because mm-hmm. we wasn't down to yeah. do whatever, we got called names on the way out. And I was literally scared because I'm like, yeah. he could have, yeah. you know, hurt us because we, re- you know, rejected them. And that's yeah. the thing. If you're not cool with what they might want you to do or their intentions with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, could get dangerous. Yeah. And just potentially. My, my general, um, just like studying, I guess, gender in an academic setting and then also experiencing gender as a living, breathing human being and realizing that toxic masculinity is so prevalent in dating culture in our society mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, your safety isn't always guaranteed to you. It just isn't. No. And you can't uh, slip up and get got by thinking that <laughs> right. it is because it really is something that, you know, it poses a threat to us. And it's a shame that it does. But I think also in having this conversation and kind of having this dialogue, we open ourselves up to really talk about the possible ways in which we can deconstruct that and what a healthy relationship is supposed to look like mm-hmm. and so on and so right. forth. Um, anything else about how we approach romantic relationships? Anybody else want to add anything onto that? No, I think we pretty much cover that. All right, so let's move on to some of the juicier stuff. <laughs> All right, so what negative ideas and stereotypes do you see about romantic relationships that are projected in mainstream media, social media, and other media representations? Do you see negative ideas perpetuated more on one particular medium? And if so, 
Why do you think that is? I know that's a lot, but social media, we live in the age where it drives damn near everything, advertising, culture, uh, you know, self-perception, the way people see themselves, especially the way black people see themselves. I know I see a lot on Facebook, of course. Um, Oh, yeah. Especially uh, toward black women Mm -hmm. as far as um, a lot of things that are shared or um, as far as like memes go. Mm -hmm. Um, One particular... I wanted to bring it up so bad. So one particular thing that I saw on uh, Facebook was the $25 engagement ring thing. Oh, yeah. yeah I saw that. That one's been going around. <laughs> and, yeah. and I know I have a majority of black friends on Facebook, but I do have a mixture of people right. that I am friends with on Facebook. And it was a majority of black people sharing that and saying, you know, you should be happy. Anyone's giving you a ring or... Um, that that may be all that he have. I think that a lot of things that we share regarding black women, it tends to lean toward us accepting bare minimum from people. Bare minimum. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what really frustrates Absolutely. me about, as far as like a negative stereotype, is that black women are expected to just kind of stick in there and expect bare minimum from, <sighs> Girl, from these men. Girl, you said we're going to dive into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, and that's a bit disappointing, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't really see anyone else saying... A $25 ring is acceptable except black people yeah. and or re- regarding black women like I should be happy mm-hmm. someone's even wanting to give me a ring mm-hmm. right because um, should you step anywhere near that line of saying oh I, I feel like I'm worth more than this mm-hmm. then it becomes you're angry you're combative all types <laughs> oh of you're ruining the black family of, yeah, yeah you're ruining the black yeah. family not the man that ne- never visits his kids or anything like that yeah. that's acceptable but yeah <laughs> I yeah. have this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you want to go ahead and dive into that? Yeah. Um, well, I wanted to give an example of um, personal example. And I just want to mention, I don't want to speak for black women because that's not really my experience, mm-hmm. but I want to give an observation. So I went to um, the comedian Monique's show, mm-hmm. um, I want to say a few months ago. And first off, Monique is gorgeous in person. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. And she is exactly how you see her on TV. She cusses up a storm. She <laughs> does what she has to do in that little hour that you have with her. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed her show. I did. and um, But there was one portion of it where um, she mentioned her open marriage. And she mentioned um, about women's roles. And what she had to say, uh, it was this kind of... Um, and I wouldn't want to say disturbed because that's really kind of extreme for what I felt, but just kind of odd to me. And she was saying that, you know, women don't need to be boss bitches. It's basically what she was saying. And that we women um, are doing too much or expecting too much. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. And that we need to learn how to submit. I'm saying we. They need to learn how to submit to their men and stop trying to wear the pants in their relationship and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so being a male, um, even though I've grown up with as being one of the girls type Mm -hmm. of thing, I I still just had a problem with that. You know, I just I felt that I mean, why I mean, why exactly do can't women be boss bitches? I mean, my mother in a house full of men, myself, my two brothers, my stepfather, she ran the house. That's just how it went. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was the only woman. She did everything. She, you know, that was my experience. So why then are we being told that someone like my mother mm-hmm. has to submit to the man and do whatever he deems appropriate and acceptable? And then she went into more about her open relationship and how she allows 
her husband to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just that situation, um, kind of bouncing off of what we were talking about earlier, that, you know, the women, again, is expected to put up with the bare minimum. The man is allowed to do pretty much whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He's a free-for-all. she's supposed to hold him down. She's supposed to hold him down mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So that was one, that was one experience. And then the other one, we're going back to, you know, social media, Facebook, where we all heard about Gucci Mane mm-hmm. and uh, Keisha. Yeah. Gucci Mane went to prison, got out of prison, and, you know, married her. All that good stuff. That's cute. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cute. Marry him. But um, it was going around to Facebook like, you know, well, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed oh, to hold your yeah, man she down. She held her man down. She held yeah. her man down. So you <laughs> right. need to, whatever your man does or whatever, you need to kind of just roll with it. And right. it's like, that's not, that's not even healthy. Like no, you're, if no. you're, if you're not grown enough to not do criminal things, then what do you? Why do I need to be in a relationship with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, why? I think it goes down to those are completely isolated situations, mm-hmm. and I mean, I don't know all the details of the relationship. He could have done right. so many other things to hurt her, and not that wasn't healthy for her. Before he went to jail, she chose to stay. I think the fact that we kind of compare ourselves to celebrities mm-hmm. who have a large amount of money, so they have a little bit more invested into their relationships sometimes right. than we may have mm-hmm. to to stick around in a relationship. Not saying that that's the right thing to do if somebody's, you know, being disrespectful or being, right. you know, a cheater, a abuser. Definitely don't think you should stay based on the amount of money. But, um, you know, I saw that, too, where it was like, y'all won't even stick down. You know, y'all won't stay around for y'all's man for, like, this reason, but she held him down for, like, this amount of time while he was right. in jail. And I'm like, like, well, I mean, again. That was her. Like, right. don't, don't again, expect that from everyone. Again, that's cute that they did that, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's them, you yeah. know. Um, so, yeah, just just a, my personal experience of seeing how black women are just have these completely insane expectations, in my opinion. And for me to have that opinion and not even be a black woman, I mean, I, can, I can't even imagine what it would be like to have to be in a relationship with these people or try to, per, these people pursuing me types of people. You know, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as what's the medium that I think that it happens the most in, um, as far as negative portrayals and all of that, I would say, I mean, it, film, TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, there has to, in my opinion, it has to be that, visual thing where we're and this is as a whole too where we're portrayed as being loud and um the sassy sidekick type of thing yes Mm -hmm. which is one of the stereotypes that kind of like i see that projected so much in particular on uh gay black men onto black women and i hate that i really do because we're so much we should be able to exist on a spectrum that represents us as more than just that. And if you choose to be that, that's fine. You have autonomy and personal choice to be that way, to present yourself that way. But if it's being projected onto you, that's always my issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of you had a lot to say, especially uh, I saw the $25 engagement <laughs> around. And, you know, it's one of those things where I have to always check myself with my relationship with social media because it can spiral out of control and get so unhealthy mm-hmm. so fast. And I take a break sometimes because it's just... We have to now. Yeah, um, literally, yeah. it's getting to the point now where like, I really don't want to be bothered with the shit at all unless it's for the podcast. So yes. <laughs> I'm like, this is like, this is work for me. Like anything else, like, as far as it applies to my personal life, I try to, um, and this is just for me personally, not everybody is like, 
like this, obviously, but for me personally, I kind of feel like um, most of social media on every medium, Facebook, Twitter, especially, my goodness, Instagram, you know, you see so much vitriolic and like just horrible, like horrible, horrible stuff in particular about um, black women, black trans women. Mm-hmm. Uh, just stuff that I see, I'm just like, this is, you know, the idea, and um, I I constantly see this. I'm glad you brought up Gucci Mane and Keisha Cairo because I've kind of been looking into this a lot lately in particular, the idea that um, black women are supposed to hold their partners down through anything, right, through whatever. Right. And then, they're, you know, they're always praised, well, she held me down, and, like, they don't ever talk about, like, you know, well, you were the source of, like, all the problems. Yes, exactly. You were the source. You were the one who did this, that, and the other. You were the one who was being lazy, who was being a bum, basically uh, using her for emotional labor and physical labor, depending on her for pretty much everything that you need as a necessity in life, even though you're a grown-ass man. And you have all the capabilities, all the tools in the world to do exactly what you say or think that she's been doing for you. So I've, I've seen that a lot. I've also seen a lot in regards to infidelity. And this kind of ties back into the same theme as far as like, well, you 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 were supposed to stick by my side. You were supposed to do this, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know, one, uh, and I I love her so much. I want to be very clear about this, that I am like <laughs> the president of the Beehive. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when Lemonade <laughs> came out, and you know, we're what? We're about to come up on our two-year anniversary for Lemonade. When mm-hmm. Lemonade came yes. out, I saw both. Um, Criticism on both ends of the spectrum as far as like, I can't believe she stayed with him. She should have left him. And I and I get that. I get why people would feel that way as far as like Beyonce being a symbol of women empowerment, but also Beyonce being an autonomous person with her own identity, with her own life that we don't know anything about because she's very private. I think she should stay that way personally. Yes. Then the other opposite end of the spectrum, I can't believe like... I mean, like, why wouldn't she, like, why wouldn't she stay with him? It's black love. And, you know, we have to support black couples and black love. And I'm like, you know, within that frame of reference and within that particular phrase, I find it kind of problematic. Problematic in the sense that I don't really feel like it's inclusive. Uh, Problematic in the sense that I feel like it promotes um, extremely gendered roles as far as, like, the woman is supposed to, like, you know, First off, we won't even talk about the way that it excludes, like, anybody who is not a heterosexual couple. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we, we already know that, like, that is a whole, like, that's a thing. Like, it really is a thing where we just, yeah. like, focus on heterosexual couples. But then within even those partnerships and those unions, the woman is expected to do a lot of the work, the brunt of the work. And, I, you know, I kind of feel like it's not really fair in the sense that it's always her responsibility to be the bigger person. Yeah, like that. She has to take a lot. Like she's supposed to endure, right? All of that in a relationship, Mm. and still kind of be strong to like stick it out. Mm. But then you know he comes out with his, Mm -hmm. and you know it's a different reaction and everything. I mean, just he makes the rules, right? And we hold her, we hold the women usually to a higher moral regard. Where you're supposed to be a strong woman, you're supposed to be a strong black woman. Or what was? Or what didn't you do? Yeah. to right. keep your man happy. All what that. didn't you put up with? What to keep him happy? Thank you. What that did you refuse yep. to put up with to make him decide that? Oh, I'm not going to do this. I can find someone else who is willing to put up with my BS. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then going back to like 
the not to keep going back to the ring, but no, it just kind of brought me back to a place because, you know, me being plus size and a black woman, I'm also told the same thing. My my worth is determined off of my size and pretty much what I get is you should be happy. Like the same thing, like you should be happy that someone's talking to you or that someone's giving you this. And, you know, just based off of someone's size alone. So that's what that kind of brought me back when I saw the ring thing. I'm like, so we're so we're doing this to black women now. We're telling black women that they deserve less and we're supposed to just put up with it when a lot of things that men buy are more than twenty five dollars. Oh, yeah. And you're telling me that I'm asking too much because this ring is twenty five. That's supposed to symbolize, you know, a lifetime commitment. Yeah. And I want more than a twenty five dollar ring. So it, it just all goes back to pretty much shitting on black women daily. Like every day, mm-hmm. you just see it all day on social media. Like you said, on uh, film and TV shows, you just see it all the time. Right. I definitely, definitely agree with that. I think also, um, just to kind of like add on to that, <laughs> I see so much um, in regards to that in particular, as far as like black women and what they deserve, and what particular black women deserve, what particular mm-hmm. black people deserve. Um, and for the most part, you know, I just finished up a three part series on colorism. And so while I don't necessarily completely relate to, like, what you experience as a plus-size woman, I know that I've seen this so many times where darker women are, you know, pitted against lighter women and told that, you know, like, there's, like, this prevailing stereotype. Well, darker women will put up with whatever. Well, they'll put up with more. Because, and it's not because, like, people are praising dark women. It's because you feel like we don't like ourselves, so we don't have a choice but to put up with more. Right. It's kind of the same thing with what you were just saying. Yeah, like, you know, they'll like, think I have low self-esteem yeah. and I'm just going to take whatever, whatever I can get from them and yeah. accept bare minimum. And it's like, nope. Yeah, and I just, no. it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, when you put those ideas and that type of ideas being projected around and, like, you know, we live in the age where memes and tweets and Instagram posts and shit like that just goes viral immediately. Right. So these ideas are being perpetuated at a much faster rate than they ever have been. And I think that's very, very damaging to uh, young black women, young black people going into, like, the dating atmosphere and kind of mm-hmm. having to, like, flesh out, okay, like, where do I identify? Where do I situate myself? And I think that's why intersectionality is so important because it allows us to really explore each and every aspect of our identities. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did y'all have anything else you want to add to that question? Um, well, if I could go into, I could go in. Go to, in. <laughs> go in. Um, I wanted to talk about the LGBT community a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so gay black men, we are often... Myself, I probably would never be stereotyped this way, but uh, it's a it's a thing for gay black men to be stereotyped as being on the down low um, in the community and being like the um, originator of spreading HIV to unsuspecting women yeah. all the time. And um, so, part of that, you know, when we get our finally do get some of our representations um, on TV, we it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know. It's just they, it, it seems like they never know how to quite handle that. I haven't even personally. I haven't even seen any. So I mean, that yeah. speaks volumes too. The only one, and I'll give this example. The only one that I've seen that's kind of halfway. I was okay with kind of was Jamal on Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, that was until, and to make myself clear, I don't believe in the whole. There's no such thing as bisexuality. But the whole thing with Alicia Keys and him kissing. I just. I mean, I've seen it before. I've mm-hmm. seen it where. You know, there's this person, this character who's been gay his entire life, 
but then all of a sudden magically decides, I don't know if I really do like men. I think I like women. So I'm going to try this out for whatever reason, um, just to make sure. And I, I just, to me, it's, it's, I mean, number one, it's not realistic. And number two, you never see that with heterosexual characters. Mm-hmm. A guy that's been straight his entire life and then one episode <laughs> decides, oh, I'm going to see if I, you know, like my best friend, you know. Show the underlying questioning of are we well, are you really yeah are gay? you really and I think that it's done because we still have that huge homophobic audience mm-hmm. that's for those shows and so it's done to kind of go okay well he's not completely there's still a way to you know get him on the the right side you know what I mean um, so that type of you know representation I mean it's just very problematic and again I've seen it before there was Marco on Degrassi I watched Degrassi when I was a teenager yes, I did. there's a character on uh, Greenleaf too oh on Greenleaf yes mm-hmm. oh that's true Greenleaf the, the husband I forgot oh, his Kevin. wife's name yes Kevin <laughs> that's right that's another good one Kevin yes so just the underlying the questioning um, I feel like Kevin's character more it, it, it's more about um, how the church has instilled such a mindset in him that he struggles with um to think in his mind he thinks he was oh, going to therapy too like he was going to like therapy. conversion therapy or something like oh, that wow. yeah. yeah and um and i've been in that situation when i was very young i thought you know if i prayed hard enough god would make me not gay anymore yeah um and i think that's a lot of his struggle was that he believed that if he just did right and he did everything the way he was supposed to do that it would just go away and his relationship would work out that was tough for me to watch so, but, yeah, that is tough. Yeah, but I feel like that representation was a lot more accurate and realistic than... Mm-hmm. Than Jamal's. Jamal's, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, and then he was rightfully called out, and a few episodes later, Jamal was, so I was okay with that, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes, that, um, just that representation, it's just, it, it, we still have a ways to go. We're just now getting on TV, yeah, so we yes. still have time to get it fleshed out and to say, hey... This isn't exactly how we do. I mean, it's not where you either get the down low black, black guy or the RuPaul's Drag Race contestant. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's more to that. Yeah. You know? um, so that's just, just my experience. I definitely understand that. And I, I just from my observations, I feel like um, black LGBTQ characters are so one-dimensional and what yes. we have seen. And, like, first off, like, let's be very clear in this. I, like, I just said, I, I really don't watch TV, so that's probably part of the problem, too. But like, I, I can't safely recall an LGBT, a black LGBTQ character mm-hmm. um, where I felt like, first of all, I haven't seen it at all personally, but I, where I, even a representation where I felt like his character was complex enough to be considered like, you know, like, okay, like they're actually like putting thought into this and like putting right. character development into this. And I think um, I do agree with what you said, um, especially in the representation is the ones that we have had that have been so shoddy you kind of see um, still within those relationships these very like stereotypical ideas, yes. and like I mean they do that to black characters all around. But I feel like it's extremely heightened when we talk about black queer characters. When we talk about like the way that their relationships function and like the way that they're portrayed to the rest of the world, especially in regards to um, black men that are considered to be DL. Uh, I have a very very like like high disdain for just that <laughs> whole conversation and just that whole, um, I don't even know what to call it. Like what, what idea? 
ideology, like what, yeah. whatever the fuck it is, whatever you want to call it. But um, I think that what it does is, first off, it really like pushes homophobia into black culture in ways that we have seen that are just so unprecedented in such a long time. I think also what it does is it kind of sensationalizes people's lives and their sexuality. I think furthermore, in addition to just those two things, which are enough to deal with all together, it heightens violence against queer people that are of color. And I think um, it kind of, you know, black people, we exist in a spectrum where, you know, we deal with so much in regards to white supremacy. And white supremacy is patriarchal in nature. It is male-centered. It um, hates women. It hates people who (laughs) operate and live and exist under the queer umbrella. It hates people who are poor. I mean, it pretty much all the things that black people kind of have had to deal with historically and traditionally, especially in this country, having, you know, dealt with slavery and colonialism. And then to kind of like um, see that and how different ways that it's heightened in different communities is just like heartbreaking and really just detrimental. But especially, I think, to the queer community, because we live in a society that's already so homophobic and where, you know, your everyday basic rights are not guaranteed to you. Right. So it's one of those things where media really is powerful. I think that we also live in a time, this is me being hopeful, and I always say this, I think we live in a time also where media has the power to give, uh, really promote diversity and promote being seen in a way that we've never really had the opportunity to do before. Right. And kind of like promotes like, you know, um, positive images of black people under every spectrum and in every community to where we have people we can look up to. Because I always say this, I'm like, you know, I really didn't see, first off, black women on TV, few and far in between. And then when you do see them, they all tend to like, you know, be very monolithic in how they look, very homogenized in how they look. Mm -hmm. So you don't really see like women like that look like me or you don't really see trans black women, you don't see queer black women, you don't even see, I mean, damn, like a lot of the time you don't even see black women that are educated. Like, and we all kind of like exist under that spectrum where we know we've all college educated, but most of like the representations right. of black people are very, very, very like streamlined. I see more black people on like reality TV than like scripted TV yeah. shows. Scripted like, TV, it's more of the, the we're downtrodden, mm-hmm. we're still trying to make the come up, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And it just, I mean, it presents that idea that we are in, in our minds still struggling. Mm-hmm. struggling when a lot of us are not we've succeeded mm-hmm. we've gotten degrees we've bought houses bought cars by any by any measure of success we're pretty yeah. much there i would say a reality tv is really interesting to look at in regards to dating um i remember when basketball wise debuted which mm-hmm. i'm sure that was like I watched I, it like all the time yeah, yeah like i was like <laughs> evelyn jennifer like you know we were watching it we were really gloria govan i think was one of the original members mm-hmm. Susie. Yes. um and just watching those representations of dating and then, you know, really getting into like the editorials and the think pieces that are being written about these women and like, oh, well, these are, you know, these are, most of them aren't even wives and mm-hmm. right. they're gold diggers and just that. Um, that and the shows <laughs> dealt with so much like hurt on their end too, because mm-hmm. a lot of them were expressing um, traumatic events within their own relationships as far as how these men treated them, mm-hmm. cheated on them. And expected them to stick around yeah, because yeah. of fame and because around. of money and status. You see it on every, mm-hmm. every show that VH1 pretty much had out. Oh, yeah, VH1 <laughs> is mm-hmm. just, yeah. So. But, yeah, I would definitely say that um, a lot of those shows, 
even in de- them talking and discussing like they're very personal because you know everything is edited so they edit it mm-hmm. for views and for mm-hmm. you know viewership and just even in them talking about um, some of their personal experiences and the way that it was you could tell it was being portrayed to the public was like in a very like you know negative stereo a negative way and negative light and um, love and hip I mean we could go on and on with just that train like love and hip hop um, have you seen the Miami one so I haven't I've been okay. a fan of Amara for like a really long time though, so I need to actually I've, watch it I've been it. watching it just to kind of see how different it is <laughs> yeah um, and they actually do have um, uh, probably like a handful of gay characters yes oh, wow. on the show oh, yeah so there's there's one who's like Della <laughs> oh okay well, yeah. oh, but, he's, but he's trying to uh, he's trying to come out but like it's a, it's a slow coming out. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be with this guy in private, and then we go out. He's my friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that guy's openly gay, and the other man kind of struggles with it. So they And then there's another guy that, it's like a, th- like a triangle. Like, it's, it's oh, a goodness. crazy one. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that one's interesting. Mm-hmm. That was interesting cool. so far. Yeah. Um, They're a little bit more open, because I know for for the longest time, most of the seasons never had anyone who was gay or bisexual besides, like, women. It was, like, mm-hmm. women on the show. Yeah. Which we can go into, like, a whole, like, dialogue about that, too. <laughs> right. Like, about what's, when we talk about people what's acceptable. who is, what's acceptable, mm-hmm. what's, like, promoted, and then, like, yeah. just a general... Because uh, yeah, it's okay for Jocelyn to have her fun and stuff, yeah. but then, like, you have a, you know, a male character. Erica Mina, uh, yeah, Susan it's Tana. a lot of them yeah. on there, but then you have a male character who's, you know, gay or, you know, bisexual, and it's all of a sudden, like, we don't want to see that on TV, or... Right, exactly. I'm like, you've been seeing it this whole time. It's yeah. just... Back to something that you said earlier, though, about, and this is, how many of y'all, have y'all, have y'all been watching Insecure? I have yes, not. I need, to, I I need to, to binge it. I need to binge it. I had to. Before yes. the second season came out, I went back and watched the first because I'm bad about, if I don't watch a show from the beginning, I don't uh-huh. just jump into it after waiting yeah, until I can yeah. see it all. Right. It was really good. Have you seen the first season? I haven't seen any of it yet. Okay, so you, I think you would love this show, first of all. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. I'm a big fan of this show, because like, I, I really love Issa Rae. I think mm-hmm. that she's doing really positive things right now. But um, So the first season, so Issa, you know, she's in her relationship. I'm just going to explain this scenario for your uh, understanding, but she's in a relationship. Um, you know, she's kind of like struggling. Her boyfriend has been unemployed at this point for, I think, like four years at the start of the series. He's been collecting an unemployment check. Um He's trying to, like, he works in tech, so he's trying to get this app off the ground where, you know, he feels like this app, once it's been picked up off the ground, it's going to completely transform their lives for forever. <laughs> Your face right now. <laughs> he's like, we already on it, right? <laughs> and then, you know, you have her best friend, Molly, who they portray, and this is just, from my observation, they portray as, like, overly promiscuous, kind of thirsty, kind of desperate consistently and constantly looking for validation in relationship. Mm-hmm. She finally okay. gets into a relationship, okay? She gets into a relationship with this guy. She's like, Molly's like, you know, a lawyer. She's super educated. So we have issues of class going on as well. Okay. So she meets this guy. Um, he's, you know, he's good. Like, he has, like, his shit together. He's cute. So they're in a relationship, and they're just, like, just casually talking one day. And he talks about how when he was in college, he let another man perform oral sex on him. So up until this point, everything in their relationship is fine, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> everything in their relationship up to this point is fine until she finds out this tidbit of information. 
then this completely revolutionizes and changes the way that she thinks about him. Like she can't, really, she doesn't really feel like she can be sexually active with him anymore. So like, I keep picturing him having sex with another man. And so all this different stuff is like mm-hmm. happening. But um, in talking about that and just kind of like talking about their particular relationship, what I did see were a lot of themes about, well, I mean, and this, this is just like so like complex because there were people saying, well, she likes him. She should stay with him. And there are people like, well, she's settling for him because she can't find anybody else. And then there are people saying, and this, they were right, right. And absolutely right in saying this. Well, sexuality is fluid. And that's something that we don't really get a chance to talk about in the black community because everything about us is so homogenized. And we're always having, being forced for better or worse, like for better, I don't really have a better way to say it. Kind of like having to project this image of like, who we are as black people to the outside world. And so just in kind of like observing their relationship, um, so much going on, just so much going on as far as um, also these underlying themes and stereotypes that people who are homosexual, who are queer are very promiscuous and they can't be trusted because you don't really know like, well, I don't know if he's doing this and I don't know if she's doing just mm-hmm. like, you know, this general idea of, um, and what, what I thought was so interesting about the relationship is they took all these stereotypes about uh, black men who are either homosexual or operate under the queer umbrella, and they combined them with black women who are, you know, demonized for being successful, demonized for either settling for men or for, you know, wanting a man too much or for feeling like we don't need one at all. And they combined them together. And so it was just all this different stuff going on. But their relationship was so interesting to watch because, and then later on in the series, she, she breaks up with him. Mm-hmm. Then later on in the series, she tries to go back to him. And so this was leveraged against her where she was so desperate that she was even going to be with a gay man. And I'm like, well, no, like he never said he was gay. Yeah, right. He said, I mean, he, had, like, he, said he had an experience. Yes. And she so, just couldn't get that out of her just head. Just one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. There's a, um, I don't know if you've seen Grownish with I, Yara. I watch I'm watching it. that. Yes. So there's a, the character um, who's bisexual. I is forget it, her name. Noni? No, no, it's Noni no, her roommate. I don't think it's Noni. Noni's I think, her roommate. I forget her name. It's, uh, I can't think of her name. I can't even think of her Okay, so she's, so she's bisexual and... You know, she starts dating that guy, and then he mm-hmm. tells her he's bisexual, mm-hmm. and she just could not. She couldn't handle it. She could not handle it. She every time she looked at him, she just saw him kissing a man or just mm-hmm. something like on that end, and she ended up like breaking up with him because he was bisexual. He just kind of called her out for it. He was like, yeah. "But you're bisexual. That doesn't make sense to me." Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah, I definitely. I love that. I love the fact that they address that in that show yes. because they address a lot uh, in that show. They do, and I think they're doing a really good job in doing so. And I thought that was really interesting, just because it, again, it, once again, it talks about these gendered stereotypes that we have in relationships in regards to everything, but especially in regard mm-hmm. to sexuality, like. Who should you be having sex with and why are you having sex with that person and do you owe your partner you know this really detailed explanation of x y and z you know yeah i think it was interesting with that on grownish because um like you said she found out that he was bisexual and she said i can't i can't deal with this and i think that stemmed from her you know experiences probably with men and Mm. them being unfaithful or something like that but at the same time if the person wants to be with you, then they're going to be with you, whether mm-hmm. they like one or both. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and I think a lot of that goes back to, and I've heard this Mm -hmm. from women who say, well, what if I'm just not enough? What if he needs to also be with men and Mm -hmm. also with me? And it's like, well, no, I mean, it's monogamy is still possible Mm -hmm. no matter what you like. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot, there's not just one type of way that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to, Go for that. So, I, yeah, that was very interesting. I love the way they handled that. And um, I, I really do enjoy the show. That's a really good um, show. I, thought, I think also, just to kind of continue on with what you were saying, I think uh, in regards to monogamy, I think people will forget, especially when we're talking about people and characters who are bisexual, that just because you decide to be in you know, a relationship with someone like you're a man, you decide to be in a relationship with a woman, that doesn't make you not bisexual. It just means that's who you decide to be with. Like your bisexuality mm-hmm. is your sexuality from here right. to there. You're like, do you expect me to have like a whole bunch of partners with me? <laughs> like right. if I'm choosing one, I'm choosing one. Right. Right. Monogamy is still other, possible. You know? I'm glad you said that because I feel like people have a very limited understanding of how this actually works. You right. know? So um, we have a lot of really good stuff going on in media right now uh, as far as like kind of like talking about these particular issues. Um. Oh, I posted this meme the other day. It was, it was a meme with Jay-Z and Beyonce just to kind of revisit them. <laughs> oh, this I saw it. I've seen that one. I've been pulling this up, but I was just like... I've seen it in reverse, too, but yeah. That was like the first one that was going around. Is it on? Did I post it on here? I got to like scroll through like all my Instagrams. Oh, here it is. Don't lose a loyal man because he's occasionally unfaithful. <laughs> Like what? I mean, what even is that? You know, what are we going for in 2018, people? Just mm. occasionally unfaithful. I mean, it happens on on that platform too. But like even in music, because sometimes I listen to songs and you hear how they say they want the woman to kind of be down for them or the woman's unloyal, but then they still talk about what, what they're going to do and how they treat mm-hmm. a woman. Look, unless you cheat on your boyfriend, okay, you'll be all, si- okay. all kinds all of... Sight. It's like oh. a particular song, because I was... And every time I hear it play on the radio, so it's like Pills and Automobiles, right? Oh, so it's yeah. your guy's verse. I don't know yeah. if you've like, listened to it. <laughs> so like every time I hear it, I just keep thinking about it. I'm like, these men are really crazy. Cause I don't understand how you can say this and still, like, it makes sense to you. So mm-hmm. he says, um, he says, I got the pussy first and I ignored you. So it's like, okay, so you had sex with her and then you don't want to talk to her anymore. <laughs> oh my God. And then he says, you fucked another nigga. You ain't loyal. And I'm like, so you don't want her. But she don't want anybody else to have but her. But you don't she, want anybody else to have her. And that's really these, like, God's mindset. It's like, I want to be in a relationship with you without being in a relationship. Right. Like, I want you to to be everything to me without me having to commit anything to you. Because then... That's so mentally and emotionally damaging. It is. Yes, because then if stuff doesn't go the way that you planned, it, it wasn't com- a committed relationship anyway, so you can't be mad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what woman Ooh. wants to deal with that? Right. Got some more, yeah, like, what more women, like, what woman wants to deal with that? <laughs> Every time that song plays on the radio, I just, right. I have to, like, turn it. I'm like, this doesn't make sense to me. Right. How, yeah. how you can sit here and say she's not loyal, but yeah. then you clearly just said that you ignored her after you got sex from her. Yeah. <sighs> and if you don't go for that, then here comes the mind games and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. going to end up miserable the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. it's like, and that's another thing that I wanted to also touch on was the whole, if you don't decide to put up with all that BS, then you're going to end up miserable and unhappy the rest of your life and alone. And it's like, well, there's more to life than just being in a relationship. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that all of us really need to 
internalize is that, I mean, it's great. We need companionship so much. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we are individuals and we came in this world individually. Mm -hmm. And we need to kind of find our own wavelength and who we are as a person Mm -hmm. and to be comfortable with that, comfortable with being alone before we can decide, okay, well, well, I need to, you know, seek someone out and, you know, expand this Mm -hmm. part of me. Um, I just think we get so caught up in that we just have to find someone. So then you end up in these situations where you're having to hold somebody down and you're having to put up with their stuff. It creates a toxic relationship because your entire life is consumed with this person. And I think, um, not saying men know how to seek them out because, I mean, a lot of, you know, women go through personal things that make them, you know, be like that in a relationship, but it just becomes very toxic. And if you base your whole life on holding somebody down and let me be that pick me woman, mm. you know, oh. <laughs> yes, I love that phrase. Yes, like, let me be the pick me woman. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, that's not putting you in a better situation. To refer to that because that's just been right? for years. <laughs> I'm like, right. finally, I'm like, pick me is yes. so annoying. So, you know, if you're trying to be a pick me woman your whole life, mm-hmm. you're still not gonna be in the spot that you want to be compared to what you're trying to put me in. Yeah, I would, um, I mean, you said a lot there. I think, just to kind of touch back on what you were saying about Yo Gotti and his verse and like, um, you know, this idea of like uh, men knowing that they can do whatever or feeling like they can do whatever they, you know, they want to do and then being mad when the woman duplicates the same type of behavior. And I think it just kind of generally speaks to, you know, misogyny, especially misogyny against black women because it's mm-hmm. so prevalent in hip hop uh, yes. and in yes. music, just period. But especially in rapping and hip hop. And um, it really speaks to this idea that, you know, men are in, in a lot of ways, they're entitled and they feel entitled. I mean, it's because they live in a society. And I always tell, I saw black men in particular. I'm like, you know, patriarchy wasn't designed for you, right? It's not designed for you to reap any benefits from. So, like, all no. this other shit that you're talking about, money and hoes and clothes, that's not really, like, that's not it. <laughs> no. And especially, like, when we're talking about the fact that y'all will emotionally, physically, and sexually abuse, murder black women in the same vein, praise us for being strong, for dealing with all of it. Right. And, um... That's an issue for me. And, you know, in 2018, I can't no more. I'm not putting up with that shit at all. Like, nope. it gets called out on site. Wherever I am, like, nope. And so just kind of like also to touch on what you said about, um, you know, these relationships that exist, situationships, we'll call them that. These relationships yeah. that exist yes. that aren't, aren't actual relationships where I kind of feel like, and this is just, you know, I feel like if you're spending time with a person, you're having sex with this person, Y'all are going out. Y'all are, you know, going on dates. Y'all are spending a lot of time together. But y'all aren't actually together. You would almost have to be a sociopath not to actually be developing feelings for this person, at least on some level. And so then for you to, like, tell this woman that she is, well, we were never in a relationship anyways. No, you were. You're in a relationship and everything except for words. And you don't get to decide that you didn't hurt her. And, like, that's, that's a personal, like, a real, like, personal, like, thing I personally dislike because I've actually dealt with that in my personal life for like a series of years and then to be told well we were never really together well no no we kind of were like maybe we weren't actually like we weren't you know oh you're my boyfriend I'm your girlfriend Mm -hmm. but like for you Mm -hmm. to sit there and to like debase and devalue someone's feelings because you didn't have enough you know or and I'll even say like you know you also said this was really important about women going through Emotional and mental, like, health is so important, especially in regards to how we approach relationships. 
So if you're experiencing emotional trauma and like all this was happening around the time that my grandpa passed away. And so my grandfather raised me. And so, you know, a lot of it, I feel like my personal like pain and my inability to kind of like deal with my problems in a healthy way put me in this, into this position to where, you know, you're literally being taken advantage of. And you don't really call it that because it doesn't really feel like that in the moment in time. It feels mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, this person's here for me in whatever way that they can give me. And I'll take mm-hmm. it because that's what I need right now. Because it's conv- convenient. It's convenient. Right. Out of convenience for you and, you know, just the general need. And you said this, too, the general need of, like, companionship and feeling like, you know, because we're just, I feel like, you know, in a lot of ways, me personally, and I know a lot of people are probably the same way, It is. it does feel nice to have someone there, you know? And even if it isn't like, you know, exactly the way you feel like it should be, it feels good to at least like have the idea like, well, at least this person's there. Well, at least I have them. If you don't feel, if you don't have anything else, at least you have that person, regardless of the fact that they're probably manipulating you mm-hmm. physically, <laughs> socially, you know, emotionally, mentally abusing your ass. You don't even realize it because you're not in a healthy state of mind. And you're like, exactly. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then get you that do. text. You're like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to that, <laughs> to that no. meme. Yeah. <laughs> about miss. loyalty is lo- not, I don't even know how to phrase it, about being loyal and staying with the man, even when he occasionally cheats. So what is occasionally like once a week? Are we talking like, about once a that, month? Yeah. I mean, how do we? Who sets the standard for this? How, who, what's, what is that <laughs> occasionally? This isn't rarely you know, not some timings occasionally. So you think, okay, well, I have to put up with this, you know, you know, more than once a quarter. That's crazy mm-hmm. to me. Well, I mean, occasionally it's definitely more than once, which to me is too damn much. Mm-hmm. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> but I was saying they, um, someone posted like a reverse of that. It was like, don't lose a, a good woman because she cheats occasionally or something. Mm-hmm. And you could just see the whole difference mm-hmm. in the responses. Like at the bottom, it's like women cannot be forgiven if if we do wrong so like if we mess up in the relationship if we cheat if we um are the one who needs to be held like held down mm-hmm. quote unquote um you know it's a different response men get the excuse and they've always had the excuse to meander around you know yeah, just mm-hmm. to do what they want to do because mm-hmm. they've had all kind of women in their life that you know from their moms who probably baby him <laughs> mm-hmm. or um let them you know like i forgot what discussion it was it was like you know like the son's allowed to stay in the house and live with his mom and this and that, that stemmed but from then, uh, what michelle obama said she said something like we raise our daughters but we love our sons yeah and i know yes. that conversation kind of and i i mean i absolutely agree with that yeah so it's like it's 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 something that they're used to getting their way so when they finally get into a relationship with a woman, they expect mm-hmm. that same treatment. That my, you know, I, I've been forgiven or I've been given a ride on these things. So my woman should do the same thing for me. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a sense, you ain't want us to be they, they mamas. But. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I got one shot on the way I ain't raised too. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, this is I, enough. <laughs> I totally, totally agree with that. And I think um, I haven't seen... I saw that and I was just like I was up in arms. I said, "What is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go ahead. I'm going in." And no. then you look at who shares it. I'm like, "Okay, are you sharing it because you're trying to, you know, bring awareness, or do you actually agree with what you're sharing?" Yeah, you see, I ask them on the comment section. I, this year, no, I've been asking like, what's going on. Uh-huh. I'm asking you directly. I'm gonna tag you. <laughs> yep. 
Andrew Johnson. What is this? You agree? Yeah, Andrew Johnson. Do you agree with this? What's going on today with you? So I'm gonna treat you. I can treat you accordingly. Right. Start cleaning up that Facebook list. Mm -hmm. And of course, I've been unfriended, blocked, and whatever. Okay, you know, accordingly. But you know, hey. I've done that so That's many people. Is, you know? I, just, I don't have time anymore. I just don't give a damn. For my mm-hmm. mental health, I'm like, I don't want to get on any... I don't want to see it. So I'm like, I just got to let you go. Like, I don't care if how long anything I'm I ever see, if it's something about, like, black women this or black women that, I, I got to delete you. I can't. No. If, if you're... Yeah. I don't want to get on here and see that. And, you know, I feel like, for me personally, this is just... <laughs> I just want to say this. We'll, we'll get back on task. I feel like for me personally, I'll post stuff and then like all these like fake woke hope tip at. I'm like, I don't want, mm-hmm. I don't, this yeah. is not a debate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, I'm not right. going to engage with you at all. Like, mm-hmm. at all. Like, just, no. This isn't, well, I feel like you can't, and then I get the message after they get blocked or unfriended. Well, you can't engage and that help. No, I can't. Nope. Absolutely can't. Like, when it comes to like this. my dignity and like my fucking mm-hmm. autonomy and rights as a human being, as a woman, I'm not doing it with your ass. Like, that's mm-hmm. not debatable to me. Like, I posted the other day, I was like, if Black Lives Matter is debatable to you, then just don't talk to me. Exactly. Like, I'm not, we've had, we're at the point now, like, I don't have time to waste explaining to you, right. like, why you're you, wrong. Mm-hmm. You've gotten enough explanations in however many years it's you been. You choose not to understand this Since this, this point. stuff has been going on, yeah. so. Or, like, to say her name, mm-hmm. like, when we post about that, too. It's just so many excuses for those it. black women and, you know, trans women as well. It's like, come on. No, and I saw that so much, um... I've gotten into like like several very heated arguments uh, in regards to the hashtag Black Women Matter. Well, that's mm-hmm. divisive to the movement. That's divisive. I'm like, you know, like how you can sound you say like that? All lives matter, like, no, you sound like all lives. I was like, you sound like you sound like the white people that you're so against right now. Exactly. And like they can't handle that. They cannot take that heat. And I'm like, well, if you can't take the heat, then get the fuck out the kitchen because that's exactly what you sound like. Like right. you're for you to sit there mm-hmm. and like Black women, Black queer women, we have been at the forefront. The forefront of these mm-hmm. movements. Yep. We have been the ones at the forefront. We are in the streets organizing, marching for y'all's asses. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me that the one time we say, hey, like we need to start talking about all these black women that are also being killed, these black women that are being incarcerated at the highest rate in this country right now, and it's all, you know, you can't talk about that. Yep. You can't bother yourself. Well, that's going to deflect from the movement. We have to pick and choose. I'm like, well, what the fuck is intersectionality? If we're not, I just, I don't understand how people, yeah. like, your understanding of oppression, like, if one person's oppressed, then we're all oppressed. Right. So, if we're being oppressed, then that's oppression no matter how you look at it. Yeah. But I had to go on my little tangent. What was it? Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was some saying, like, the white man to black people is like the black man to a black woman. I think I saw yeah. that somewhere. You know, I've seen that, yes. You know, yes. I, 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 I mm-hmm. don't know the exact wording, but in a sense, you know, it's that's what the reality is. When black women, mm-hmm. you know, are murdered at a higher rate by, you know, mm-hmm. black men. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that I shouldn't be scared of you or I shouldn't have mm-hmm. this perception of you when we're literally out here being murdered. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I think also when we talk about like, just like we were talking about with the, uh, the reverse of that meme, when black women are not, you know, it kind of boils down to like these limits of our sexuality and like how can black women perform and address and actually experience their sexuality in a way that, you know, is acceptable. And not, not when I say acceptable, I don't want to be like, well, how can we do this in a way that people not like a way that people are like, oh, well, I'm not bothered by that or I think that's OK. But mm-hmm. like, you know, the fact that black men and men in general can do all these different things. But black women can't, and we're like demonized when we do. Like I personally, personally, personally 
cannot stand all the memes I see about single mothers mm-hmm. and oh about mothers with children from multiple men. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, most of the people who are perpetuating this shit, you probably came from a home where you're like, you have a mom who has children from multiple men. And just mm-hmm. the general way in which black men are taught to hate everything that does not exist within like this heterosexual frame, which is women, which is like the queer community, how they're taught, like they're not given any context of understanding. They don't really want any context of understanding, at least from my experience Mm -hmm. and how, you know, just like, I don't understand how you can say all these like horrible, horrible things about black women when you have a black mother Mm-hmm. And we've been saying this for years, right? For years, but it kind of yes. mm-hmm. it really does boil down to that simple fact. And then it's like, well, Makes if you no can if all. you can say that, then how do you feel about her? Is she the source of all your problems? And I found mm-hmm. in my personal experience, a lot of the time the same men who are saying these things, they don't like their moms. Yeah. They hate their mm-hmm. mothers. And I'm just like I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. There was a, a picture um of a black mother. And she had, maybe, I think she had maybe like four or five children with her. Mm-hmm. And that's the only picture that someone chose to share of her. But she was married and they had separate photos. It was like her with her children and they had like a whole family portrait. Mm-hmm. But that was the one that was shown. And all through the comments, it was like, I bet she has different baby daddies. And I bet she's on welfare and food stamps. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, you, you're getting this from this one Pictures. All these assumptions. Yeah, and then someone had came back and posted all of the photos and was like, she actually does have a husband and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It's like, even if she didn't have a husband. I mean, are like, the kids fed? Are they taken care of? That's yeah, all. That's I'm like, clearly they're here business, taking portraits. But. Yeah, it's like, this is none of your business, first place. But the fact that everybody of all races, because it, it was just a, a, public, a public picture, of course. Oh, so you got everything. Huh? Yeah, you got everything on there. So everybody's just taking these assumptions from this one picture, her being black and her having multiple children. They just assumed, because there was no father in the picture, mm-hmm. that she had different baby daddies or, you know, she was struggling. And, and that just doesn't make sense to me at all. I think, um, again, how things like go viral. And people make all these different assumptions. Uh, there was a picture floating around, I want to say three or four years ago, and it's of a black gay couple from Atlanta. It's two guys, and they're doing, like, their daughter's hair. Yeah. And their son's hair. And just, like, the comments I saw about that, about, like, black parents and relationships was just literally horrendous. Well, he, her, his, their son's going to turn out gay. And just, you know, just all of this, mm-hmm. these assumptions that are not fact-based, literally mm-hmm. looking at a picture, a, a picture. picture, and making all these different assumptions about these people and their lives. I'm like, you know. Right. I mean, the thing about that, if they have a gay son, they have a gay son. I mm-hmm. mean, the gay son came from heterosexual parents. That mm-hmm. happens. I'm sure it obviously. didn't come from their hair being done. So. Right. I'm sh- <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it. Uh, I, I don't understand that either. That that fear. Oh, he's, they're going to automatically be gay. Well, you don't know. Just like you don't know if your child's going to be gay. Mm-mm. I hate whatever. that. It's a lot of know. behaviors they'll show pictures of if if someone's doing something around the child or to the child. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, that child's going to be gay. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that um, or the child's going to be fast. I see that in a lot. In particular, yes. I see that in a lot in regards to young black men, um, black children coming from 
gay parents. Mm-hmm. I see that a lot also in uh, girls who are raised without fathers mm-hmm. about, well, she's going to have daddy issues and she's going to automatically be, you know, promiscuous and fast and all these different things. And this is what I also want people to understand about that is like, you know, people have choice. And when she gets to a certain age and she chooses to sleep around, that's her choice. None of which we have should have any opinion about. That's what she chose to right, do. Right. Like, that's her life. And I think... Um, just also, when we talk about families and, like, dating and, like, the nuclear family unit as far as, um, like, all these different things that are perpetuated onto children and then how we tell children, well, if you don't come from a family that has a mother and a father that's together in a home that they own with, you know, this, this, that, and the other, then you're somehow deficient. And I think that's really detrimental to children because it teaches them at an early age that, they don't have something that something is wrong with them, that they're missing something. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, um, I personally hate that because I'm like, you know, I come from the mindset and the idea that it takes a village anyways to raise children. Like my father wasn't traditionally around, but like I had uncles, I had a mom, my grandparents lived literally around the corner from me. Mm-hmm. So I had a very strong support system. So I never really felt like, well, because my father isn't there, then something must be wrong with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't. I, I will say this. I didn't start feeling that until other adults started saying that to me as a child, which is a whole different story, which I have a whole different issue with <laughs> uh, than projecting that onto a child. Um, I've also seen it where one of our family friends, Christy, she is a lesbian. So she has, you know, a wife and people constantly bombarding her sons at school like they're teachers. This is an Abilene. Oh, okay, well, (laughs) that's all you had to say. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, constantly bombarding them with um, all these questions about, you know, like these deeply, deeply personal questions you shouldn't be asking a child, an adolescent, about their home life. Mm -hmm. And um, just this general assumption, I can't, I just cannot, just the general assumption that somehow, like, something was going to be wrong with them, they weren't going to turn out okay. And yeah. I think um, in so many different instances, those types of ideas are leveraged against black children in various forms and in various ways that we're taught that, you know, from our early age, that no matter where we come from, but especially if we come from something that doesn't look like, you know, a nuclear family, mm-hmm. that we are deficient. Mm-hmm. So. Or something that we're used to, even if it's dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Like if, unfortunately, we're, you know, desensitized to where... The man, if he decides to not be a part of the family, that's unfortunately more normal than two dads who unconditionally love their child and are a part of every process of their development. Mm-hmm. So that's what it goes down to, I guess. Yeah. I think we did a good job covering that question. We have one more. So how are women in the LGBTQA community system- systemically excuse me, and ideologically discouraged from embracing their sexuality in a healthy way? For example, comprehensive sexual education isn't a reality in most states in the country. How does this limit a full understanding of sex and sexuality, and how does it perpetuate ideas about how women, the LGBTQA community, and other marginalized groups should think about relationships and sex? So we're going to spend pretty much probably the rest of our time. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll say from my experience, I'll start off just to kind of like give y'all a chance to really delve into this, but... um, so I taught women's studies at UNT after I taught there for a year. And one thing that was consistently brought to me by my students was the fact that many of them, and I don't know how it is now, but they're all, you know, a good 10 years. I won't say that. Probably like 
anywhere between six to eight years younger than I was at the time that I was teaching there. And they were coming from districts where sex education was not mandated. And so I, I always thought that was interesting because even though our sex education that we received in my school district was very shitty and shoddy, we actually did get it. But these kids were telling me that, you know, they're not given and sex education. I want to be very clear about this in the district I went to school with happened outside of health class. So it didn't like we talked about um, the, you know, the anatomy, the human Mm -hmm. anatomy in health. But sex education was a separate, you know, session that we went to like quarterly or whatever, however often we went. Um, But these students were coming to me and telling me that they hadn't had that at all. And Mm. so. My school started, didn't. Yeah. See, and that's and you went to school here in Texas, I'm assuming. Yeah, in East Texas. In East Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we both grew up in West Texas. So yeah, they didn't have it. We had anatomy and learned about body parts and that was mm, that was it. That everything else was my own research. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that too. So it got brought to my attention. And I, this is why I love education because your students bring so much information to you that you don't even tend to really think about. But um they said, well, you know, when we learn about anatomy, first of all, you learn on whose body? The man's body. So you don't really learn. You only learn in regards to women reproductive health mm-hmm. as it relates to the man because, like, the only really, the only real value a woman has to a man is her ability to reproduce life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about that. I said, oh, Laura, so we about to get deep? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we talked about how uh, in sex education, once again, you learn about reproductive organs, but you typically still learn on the man's body. And then when you talk about sex, you only talk about heterosexual sex. And there mm-hmm. are kids, and this is like, there are kids who are having sex who are not having sex with men or women. Mm-hmm. They're having sex with either another girl. They're having sex with trans uh, children or teens. You know, so there's all this different stuff where if we're only teaching kids how to have, you know, vaginal or penal intercourse safely, then what are all the other children doing? Mm-hmm. And what options are they left with? And are they being taught and shown how to like safely demonstrate sexuality in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. And so all these things came like came kind of like rushing into me. I'm like, well, damn. I was like, there you have it. This is where it all starts. I mean, it starts right there is the fact that they're not even being told. So you have children. I mean, there was this epidemic. Oh, my goodness. I read about this a couple of years ago where... Kids hadn't been receiving, um, they hadn't been receiving sexual education. So you had all these girls having anal sex because they thought that they, first off, couldn't catch any STDs. Like, oh, I can't get pregnant from doing this. Mm -hmm. So you had girls, and like, I mean, I want to be very clear, like, just from my understanding of sex, anal sex is not beginner sex. This is not, like, something Uh -uh. you want to just dive into. Uh So (laughs) I'm like, it's one of those things where you have these young women who are like, you know, um... And young men who are who are doing this, and they don't really know anything about it, and they don't. Their most of their representation of sex is coming from porn, which we know is not realistic. Yeah. It's highly misogynistic. Uh, promotes all of the gendered stereotypes and and gender just bullshit all like in one big smorgasbord. So it's like you know you're getting all this like really unhealthy ideas yeah. about sex, and um, you know we had a, we had the the chance to go into middle schools and the kids were like well from what we know about sex you're not supposed to have hair down there and I'm like yo that's like puberty that's natural yeah. and they didn't know that and I'm like, <laughs> like it protects you yeah it like protects that, you actually like, you kind of want that barrier there yeah. so they didn't they you know it's just 
just a general, um, and then, you know, these kids that were in college, like these were college freshmen. These were like 18, 19 year old, oh, I say yeah. children. These are adults. Yeah. And they didn't, some of them didn't know this. And I'm like, well, what the fuck have y'all been doing? Like, who have y'all been having sex with? How have you been having it? Do we need to call you? Do we need to schedule you to go get tested? Because I don't really mm-hmm. feel like you having accurate knowledge to have been having sex with any damn body. Yeah. So, and even when you're like in high school, because I would have conversations, I didn't have any type of mm-hmm. any type of sexual experiences in high school so of course I would hear stories and talk to people who did and well, one of my particular friends she didn't use protection mm-hmm. with uh, the guy she was having sex with and she was like oh it's okay I could just pee it out later and I'm oh. just like girl so so when she like told that to me I'm like okay we have a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you don't even understand your body and what, you know... What you actually can, like, biologically what you can do. do. Mm-hmm. What you can do, what you can't do. What, yeah. Like, what, what parts are where. Um, you know, that's a, that's a serious issue. And, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of children can, of course, get those STDs without using protection or... Um, mm-hmm. or you have rampant right now. Yeah. It's, right. Like a, it's, a, it is. it's a thing. Yeah, so the fact that, you know, when she told me that, and, you know, I just hear things from other people, so I didn't think anything when I was that young. I was like, okay, but, because all we knew was what we learned in anatomy, but just thinking back on it now, I'm just like, we didn't have any type of sexual education in school, and, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, I mean, it starts there, you have to know your body. Mm -hmm. You do. For gay men, uh, sex education for us is basically field work. Um, We really have to learn it. We have to learn it on the go. Um, When I was a teenager... Going to CLAC, we had a session one day with um, learning about the anatomy and STDs. And the lady that taught us basically just told, flat out told us, you know, you don't need to be having, putting things in uh, your anus or anything like that. You don't have gay sex. It's wrong. It's immoral. Mm-hmm. That type of thing, you know, just very inappropriate. Like, just keep your opinion, your beliefs to yourself. Just teach us what we need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you go out into the world and you don't really know how things are supposed to work. You don't know if that's what you, if you're ready for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to rely on someone who is more experienced and hope that they are also clean, that they're safe, that they're this or that, and that they're not going to just do whatever to mm-hmm. you. And um, it's just a very uncertain, and very strange uh, situation to have to deal with. Um, Mm-hmm. In certain states, there um, it's required that they talk about um, like anal sex or any type of LGBTQ um, mm-hmm. sexual interaction mm-hmm. being immoral and being like something negative. Like it's required. Yes, required in certain, yeah, required in there certain are anti, states. You know, like sodomy laws still that exist. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I think I saw it was like in Alabama they do that. Like mm-hmm. they teach it. It's like heterosexual is the only sex you need to be having, and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Oh Penis gosh. and vagina. That's it. Which is so damaging. <laughs> it's so dangerous. So you think about this. You yeah. think yeah. about the students hearing that, and it's like. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to think if 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 I'm not heterosexual? And I think that does one of two things. First off, um, if it criminalizes and further for those students who are in the closet, they're told right then you don't need to come out because uh, once again these feelings you're having are unnatural and wrong. And then not only that, like you also like it's wrong, it's morally wrong, but it's also legally wrong. And if you do these things, something is wrong with you. So I think a lot of the time when we talk about that, and I mean, I think it's definitely heightened uh, 
in the LGBTQ community, but I think also with young women, because a lot of the training that we do receive, especially in the South, is abstinence. Mm-hmm. And so this is my thing. It's like, hey, don't have sex at all. Yeah, just, right. well, if you want to avoid all of it, just don't do it at all or you're going to die. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, and especially if you come in like small towns. Cause I know in East Texas, everyone goes to church. They're very religious. Oh, same where we're from. And, yeah. yeah. So it's like, that's what they teach you. Like, just don't have sex. But it's not the school. It's the church teaching them that, mm-hmm. of course, because in school, they really don't say much at all. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And there's so much you're missing with that. You, I mean, it, you're missing, like, hygiene, for instance. Mm-hmm. There are so many, and I'm going to speak for men, there are men who have the same hygiene practices that they've used since they were 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a problem, obviously. When you become an adult and you're Go through puberty going through life. puberty <laughs> and you're wanting to be intimate with someone and you don't even really know how to properly clean yourself. And I feel like that's a big portion of what ends up being lost in that. And um, I feel like... I mean, there really needs to be something done to kind of incorporate more mm-hmm. into it. But. Yeah, all I was told uh, from, like, family members, not even from, like, education, but all, like, the products we have for women as mm-hmm. far as, like, our hygiene and everything, mm-hmm. most of it is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, my like my aunt used to give me uh, these little... It was, like, some little thing that you're supposed to, like, insert. And my mm-hmm. mom was like, don't put that shit in you. She was like, don't take that. You know, um, she was like, you don't need that. <laughs> speaking of, like, hygiene and just unhealthy practices in regards to, like, uh, women are expected to be, like, extremely, extremely clean for men. Don't get me started on the whole rhetoric. Well, yo, we want you to smell like fresh clean, apple pie. Yeah, <laughs> It's like, it's a vagina, first of all, so it's not going to do it's anything. It's going to taste like vagina. <laughs> it's going to smell like vagina. Right. And, like, just going to have some hair on it. Yeah. It's all these things. And so I'm like, you know, I uh, grew up, for whatever reason, I remember in high school, girls, we had this conversation with my friends, like, we need to be douching. You need to be douching. And so, mm-hmm. like, you know, fast forward a couple of years, and you're like, well, douching actually strips all the good bacteria out of your vagina, and you will probably get a very, very... Bad yeast infection if you continue to do that. And, and, and you learn that later in life yes. instead of learning it yes. in learn school. It. Yeah, like when you need to learn and mm-hmm. we're actually hitting those sections or even mm-hmm. like your parents because a lot of, um, and there's a lot of adults that don't know either. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they just go with the flow. If someone told you, hey, you need to Listen, use I, these feminine products, go. I'm going to tell my daughter to use them. I'm going to tell you this story. My grandma, she uh, told me that when she was younger, girls would like insert pine saw into their vaginas. What? And my pine saw, like the cleaning, mm. chemi- like the chemical, oh my like pine saw, like the cleaning product. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, we feel like we need to be clean, and that's what men like. And like, it always boils back to that's what men like. And so I think, in particular, for women, um, a lot of how we're taught to think about our sexuality is like, well, you got to please the man, you got to be really tight for him, you got to do all this. Yeah, everything like, surrounds them instead yes. of what they need to have as well. I'm like, maybe y'all mm-hmm. should focus on what's down there too, how it looks and smells and all that. That's right. Everything else instead of you know telling us to smell like pineapples and stuff. Right. You know, <clears throat> exactly. And I, I used to work at a. Um, Guess you have like a sexual wellness store. Mm-hmm. I used to work at one. And there's so many products for women as opposed to men when it comes to um, those type of things. Like, of course, they have like the pills and everything. But um, just when you think about like hygiene or um, it was just it was a larger section that was dedicated to women to make themselves. Right. You yeah. know, be a certain way. I think we just got now got the dude wipes. And I'm like, we should have been had dude wipes. 
<laughs> and uh, that just that floored me when I saw it in Kroger. I was like, wow, we just now got wipes for us. I've been using baby wipes all this time, so I don't well, know. Well, it kind of goes back to the toxic masculinity the thing where they the just name. kind of... The name. Dude yeah. wipes? Dude wipes. <laughs> Dude wipes. Like, no, they're just wipes. They can't you know? be baby wipes. We yeah. just use them. Wipes. But it just goes back to that where you associate certain behaviors with being feminine and how men just do not want to you know, take part in any of that. And that goes like cleaning yourself. Yeah. Like, it's like thrust your masculinity. Yeah, right. so you taking a bath with like some good soap is right. <laughs> like something's wrong with that. Yeah. There was something on Twitter where they were saying how men were not cleaning their their butts. Like they just were like, oh no, God. that's feminine, that's gay. And well, stuff. I saw that. I did. And I it, saw that. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> who are you sleeping with? Because that's just outright disgusting. So you mean to tell me you have not one time thoroughly cleaned your behind? That is that's what I'm saying. Like from the age ten, it just stops for some men. It just it's we're not we're just not gonna do anything else. That's it. Oh my god. We're just gonna wipe after every session and just hope and pray it's gonna keep it together. Like you know, it just doesn't make any any sense to me. Um, uh, no, I can't with that. Yeah. I just cannot. Yeah, I mean, um, let me look at this question. <laughs> we said a mouthful here. Um, so, yeah. Um, back to, like, cleanliness. Because I think that's a really, like, good segue for us to really open up this conversation. Um, and just the way that I know... A lot of this, I had to like actually like do a field survey on this as far as like most people's initial um, experiences and um, introductions to sexual intercourse comes from porn. And so, you know, you see like this really like extreme sex happening and like you're thinking, you know, when you first have your sexual experience, well, this is what it's supposed to be like and this is how I'm supposed to feel. Oh, well, she got on the TV, like, you know, on the Internet. She really liked it, so I'll probably like it, too. And not realizing that sex is literally, like, an ongoing spectrum of, like, experience. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, different sex with, like, different people is going to feel different to you. And sex is not going to feel good the first couple of times. Like, I don't think that we stress that enough for men or for women, especially, like, um, in regards to—I see all these memes. And, like I said, Tumblr— is I, in my opinion, some parts, some parts of Tumblr, because Tumblr is such a large network, are a little bit more progressive than other social media sites. And I saw, like, you know, this meme explaining that, you know, well, women aren't supposed to be loose. When you're having sex with a woman, she's not supposed to be loose. And I'm like, well, no, actually, like, her lubricating and her getting looser is so it doesn't actually, like, hurt her when you're actually putting your penis inside of her. Yeah, but yeah, lack of education. Lack of education, like, (laughs) like, you know, ruins that for people. And I think, like, you know, you go into this, um, people go into, like, sexual experiences thinking, well, this is how it's supposed to be. And especially I've heard this a lot from men and from gay men. I say men and gay men like they're separate. Men, period. Um, them watching porn and thinking that their penis is supposed to be a certain size. And if it's not a certain size, then, you know, they're somehow not giving their partner any pleasure or that they're not going to be good at sex. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. you know, you have to think like more. And like, it's not until you get to, a, you know, being an adult that you realize, well, you know, not everybody wants like, you know, a 12 inch penis. That's right. No. <laughs> You don't. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, you know, I definitely don't. So it's one of those things it's where scary. like. Yeah, I mean, no. No, no, no. If it's traveling through the sheets, then that's too much. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think 
if we cannot come to a place in a consensus where we can really develop comprehensive, and I say comprehensive, I mean that covers damn near everything, sexual education for everyone, because everyone needs to know these things, regardless of whether you're homosexual or you are queer, you need to know what that is. Yeah, it needs to be comprehensive and it inclusive. Needs be, it needs to be comprehensive. Inclusive, it needs to be yes. inclusive just because I, and this is just how I feel like sexuality is, it operates on a spectrum. So people exist everywhere on that spectrum and everyone needs to be educated on how to safely have sex and how to safely, you know, operate within that realm. And I think if we can't get to a place where we can do that, then we set a lot of kids up for failure. You know, we set them up to, um, expose themselves to STDs, expose themselves to unhealthy practices, expose themselves to stuff that can like physically harm them. Like I've, you know, read stories and reports of um, girls and, and boys using like actual like hand soap for lubrication. I'm like, so you're mm-hmm. having sex using hand soap for lube? I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God. When like, I used to work at that painful. store, they came in trying to get the cheap like massage. I'm like, that's not. Mm-hmm. That's not supposed to go inside of you. She's like, no. it was burning. I'm like, because yes. it it's a warming massage oil. Yeah. Like, no, oh. it's not. It doesn't go up there. No. And, um, you know. And I think also teaching, you know, within it being comprehensive about consent. Oh, goodness, yes. Let's talk about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. You know, um, they need to know that as well when they go over um, sexual education. Yeah, because rape culture, and I'm going to dedicate a whole episode to that, actually, <laughs> some at some point this year, just because it's just so prevalent, everything that you see in as far as like the media, some of the different representations. But consent, it's disturbing to read some of the shit that you read on the internet, how little people understand about consent, yeah. and how, like, how their understanding is so confined about what it means when somebody actually says yes, but when they actually are saying no, whether you think or they say no, like consent is such a broad spectrum. And then, you know, I think also when you look at some of the cases, some of the more high profile cases that have been um, operating around consent and rape, and you see that these young men are, and it's really only white young men, but, you know, they're getting off. Like, what is this boy's name? The swimmer. Brock Turner. Brock, mm-hmm. Yes, that's Brock him. Brock Turner. Mm-hmm. You know, he got caught by several people raping a young woman behind a trash can. Yes. And she's obviously unconscious. He's like, you know, raping her. People have, are seeing him do this, have actual physical proof mm-hmm. that he's doing this. And, you know, he goes to court, goes to trial. And because of his skin, money, all these different things, all these different factors combined— doesn't actually get any jail time. I think he got like six months of which two. It was death, shortened. It was shortened. To like, he got out yeah, early. Because, you know, it was going to be psychologically damaging him for, for him not taking into account what about his victim. Right, exactly. Behind a trash can. Like, first off, it's horrible anyway. But then, like, to me, like, I just can't get the image out of my head. Like, you know, you raped her behind a, tra- like, behind a dumpster. Mm, yeah. yeah. How do you really feel about her body? And, you know, the fact that she's not even awake to actually tell you yes, you just decide, oh, well. Uh, I'll take it. Whatever. Yeah, just yeah. I think what it comes down to is really teaching at a young age that nobody owes you anything. No mm-hmm. one owes you their body. No one, especially for men. Like if women do not want to have sex with you, they don't owe. Like you're not. I don't know how to stress it enough. Like no one owes you anything. Like I if mean, she says no, it's enough. I think you said it there. Like yeah. I mean, at the end, like. Yeah, like we don't owe you anything. <laughs> it doesn't make you less than a man. That's not a real thing. Just let it go, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think also consent, 
I think we're talking about it in the frame of like rape, which definitely absolutely needs to be talked about. But then also consent, like, you know, we talked about earlier, um, the prevalence of black women and black trans women being brutally murdered and beaten for telling men no for rejection. For rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think this is about a year or so ago. Um, you know, this woman told these men. She told a man no, and then he came back later on the night with like three of his friends and like attacked her and raped her and beat her to death because she told him no. So he went and got the whole posse and went back and found her. Like went through the trouble of finding her because she told him no. Simple, like they had never met before that anything he approached her she told him no simple as that that should have been the end of the indirection he went and got his friends went and found her and murdered her yeah i shared an entire status that had multiple stories of women who were either attacked or killed because they Mm -hmm. you know rejected somebody Mm -hmm. whether um it was the girl on the train yeah or you know just walking and getting punched because you Mm -hmm didn't want that like it, it's to the point now where i like wear headphones out in public because i'm like i don't mm-hmm. even so but sometimes that doesn't even work either because yeah. it's like yeah it's like oh she ignore me i'm gonna go like anything can happen so it's just it's it, it's fear that we shouldn't have because they just feel this entitlement and this ownership to our bodies that time and mm-hmm. just like you know and i have friends that tell me that you know they have to I had one that told me you know i have to have this permanent dirty look on my face when I go places because I just don't want to be approached by men at all. Like if I'm at the grocery store, I just mean mug the entire time in the chicken section. Just, I'm not here for I call you my mom every time I go all. to the store. I'm like, I'm going to talk to you this whole time. Yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody else. I don't want anybody talking to me. Like, I'm good. And then you see, and it's really sad because you'll see on Facebook the statuses where women are like, you know, I lie and say I have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Or I lie and say... Just any type of thing to, like, just get them away from me. And it's like, why should we even have to lie? Like, me saying I'm not interested or I know should be good enough, but we literally have a fear of our li- like our lives being taken or something happening because we say no. That and just um, just the general, like, when you do, when you even do, you know, take the time out to lie when that's not even mm-hmm. enough. And they keep pressing. I'm like, damn. Like, that's you, can't have a, like, you can't have a friend? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. You I don't really don't want to be my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I just, uh, in regards to consent, like consent has so many different varying ways in which it needs to be discussed, but it's very, very, very integral to like just talking about dating and romance in general. Did y'all have anything else y'all wanted to add? Uh, I think we covered, I mean, I covered my... LGBT experience, so we covered quite a bit. We covered mm-hmm. quite a bit today. I'm happy. Um, there's always more to be covered, so I think this is one of those topics that I'll probably revisit. Like yeah, I'll probably revisit this sometime in the uh, the future. But I just want to thank you guys so much for um, coming and being a part of this with me and doing this. I think this is something that's really important to talk about, especially um, when you consider where each one of us comes from and just our different experiences as far as how we have experienced dating as black people, as black women, as a black gay man. Um, Just so much, so much to unpack and so much to talk about. And I think that this is stuff that people really need to be, you know, hearing. So thank y'all so much. I appreciate y'all. Y'all stay tuned for our episode. We'll probably be debuting sometime next week. And again, y'all want to tell everybody where they can find y'all social media handles or. Right. Well, my social media is Demetrius Jones, Demetrius Jones on Facebook, 
Twitter, Instagram, or DemetriusJones.com. Okay. So very simple. Awesome. Yeah, you can find me at thecurvyclassic.com and on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook at The Curvy Classic as well. Okay. What about your YouTube channel? Oh, yeah, the YouTube channel is <laughs> it's brand new. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, that's The Curvy Classic as well. Um, it's it's brand new, so definitely go check it out. Subscribe. Tell me what you think. Awesome, awesome. Thank you all again for listening in, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. <laughs>